0: welcome to 2020 exciting sounding bunch we've waited all year for this uh, moment and 2020 is here and i'm confident it will be a great year and all of 2019 we as a church went through some leadership um, time of reflection, and time of uh, planning, and time of preparation. And we are excited that uh, in that preparation and time, the leadership team uh, of Bethesda, the Leadership Council, uh, did meet together uh, over 12 times and discuss all kinds of topics. And we uh, put ourselves forward in that uh, we will be changing the name of the church uh, to The Bridge and the signs will be on their way. Uh, They're supposed to be in this week, and the guy's supposed to finish them, the sign guy, and we will get those put up as soon as we get them. So we will no longer be known as Bethesda Church, but as the bridge, um, just in uh, that it's going to connect us and make us connected to others. So it's about connecting generations. It's about connecting uh, different people groups uh, connecting all the way through so bridges are built to cross areas that you weren't able to cross before and bridges is what we want to do build instead of barricades I love it that uh, this video as we showed it today with the red letter challenge that we're beginning this process that he talked about how that people Uh, They went out, and the author, he read the book, that uh, went out and done studies, and done case studies, and done polls, and questions, and that, I don't love it that he, I love it that they did it, I don't love it the outcome of what they got. So whenever they went out and polled non-Christian people, just people on the street that didn't attend church, or go to church, or claim a church, or any kind of religion, uh, which is the number one growing fad in America, uh, they're doing a census this year, and we want you to Take part in that census and make sure and fill it out for your information and stuff. It helps our county, it helps our community whenever we're counted. So, the way they do congressional districts, if you like, we don't vote for a congressman of your choice and having a district that's in your favor, you got to be counted on the census. If they don't count you, then you don't get counted and you're not a number in America. But all these people are check marking nowadays, used to, they would say either Catholic or, or, uh, non-believer, or uh, what faith are you? And they would mark down all these different things of being a Protestant or Catholic or all these other groups. And now the number one, uh, the growing fad in America is that people have been checkmarking for the past several census uh, unaffiliated, which means don't really even care about religion. So that's a scary tide for our nation to be turning on this tide of saying that we're unreligious or don't really even care about religion. So they asked all these unchurched people and unreached people in America uh, what they thought about Christians and what's words you would use to describe a Christian. And he said in the video that the number one thing that they would use is judgmental. That ought to make us ponder a little bit or Consider that, that that's what non-religious people think about Christians, because to be a Christian means to be Christ-like or to be like Jesus. So if we are judgmental in our nature, then in that judgment that we're judging, we're doing that as if Jesus would do that, is the way the world looks at us. And we've got to be so careful about being judgmental because we're putting a perception out there that that's who Jesus is that he's a judgmental person, that he's a judgmental God. that And, and I'm not saying that God will not judge, because he will judge. We know that there's judgment, seat of Christ, and we know uh, that there is the great white throne judgment in the Bible. So we can't say that God is no judgment, but that is not his number one characteristic at this stage in the game. So at this stage in the game, Jesus showed us examples, and all through the New Testament that you'll read about in the, the Gospels that the uh, uh, Jesus' disciples and Luke wrote about Jesus, they would point to pictures of grace, of love, of mercy, and as Jesus went throughout, and one time the religious zealots of the day that loved judgment so much, they brought this woman with the uh, caught in the act of adultery, and they threw her down at the feet of Jesus, and they said, what would you do with her? They already knew that according to Moses, and according to law, and according to what uh, way of thinking that they had, that they would have stoned her that day. But we know in this that Jesus gets down, writes in the sand, and he tells them he, without sin, throw the first stone, cast the first stone. And it says that they all walked away because they all done an introspection and looked internal and said, If I don't have any sin, I'm allowed to throw a stone. And nobody standing there, not one religious person standing there, was able to cast a stone because they all had sin. And the way that works is in, in this red letter challenge, they're telling us to, that we've got to be and that we got to forgive and we've got we to do all these five points and, and how that Jesus taught us to do those things. And, and whenever it comes to that forgiveness thing, I think that deals with the judgment. Because if we look at Jesus and we see this picture of Jesus being forgiving to this woman that had sinned just like everybody else, And the way that works for us is, as a church, a a few years ago, me and Leslie was laying in bed. It was in the middle of the night. I don't remember what time. Do you, Leslie? It was 2 or 3 in the morning, really late at night. We got a phone call, and it was the police was at the Vanceburg campus, when that's the only campus that we had at the time. And and they called, and they said, we need you to get down here. Uh, There's been a burglary. So I go down there, and, and we meet uh, with Billman and them, and, and they're, they're there, and, and we look, and somebody had kicked in the back door. They didn't just pry it open or break it open or something like that. They literally, there were feet marks on it where they had kicked in the door, and it broke the door frame and tore up all the lock mechanism and everything else. We had, literally had to put in new doors. And once they got inside, they stowed our cordless microphones. They, uh... Went up and I had a really nice bass guitar that I'd bought for cheap that I kind of liked and it was sitting up there and I left it at the church all the time. And and whenever they come in, they found that and they they stole that guitar. Then it wasn't good enough just to steal guitars and microphones or things of value that was out in the congregation. They went through and, and busted the door in, kicked the door in, more feet marks, busted it in, tore up the frame and everything on the office. They got inside of there, skirmish around. We don't leave any money at the church. I just want to let you know that in case any of you all is thinking about breaking in or anything anytime soon, just uh, no money here. We, t- we take it home right after the service. Literally we have two people to go in the room and take the offering that's here and they go in and two people count it and put it in a bag and zip that bag up and we take it immediately. We don't leave anything here about you like that money. But, and the reason we have two people to count is because to keep everybody honest. Because if you let one person go in there to count, then they might steal. So we don't want anybody stealing, including our church people. And that's happened before. So we got a two-counter uh, rule. It's another part of what we do as a church. But they done all these things and and kicked these in and broke this stuff and and made a mess out of things, really. And looking back on that, whenever I walked and pulled up the, the driveway and got up to the top of the hill there and, and went up and seen the door and seen the chaos that had happened, and they didn't just... Uh, leave things as they were they they sprung and threw stuff everywhere and it was just a mess and the initial reaction is i want them to pay right that's our initial human reaction is if they're going to steal off a church they must not have any morals at all and it was easy to get into that mindset to say, well, I want the hellfire and brimstone to come down on them. I want them like Sodom and Gomorrah, and I, I wish they'd get caught, and I wish they'd go to jail, and I wish they'd have to pay restitution and all. I, that's our human nature. But Jesus says, do good those that despitefully use you to pray for them. And when red letters hit you in the face like that, looking at this book the way we are now, that I have to look at them, and today I want to release that. I want to forgive that. There's at least two or three people involved in it. We don't know even who they were, but there was probably two or three people. It took that many to do what they did. And and I want to release them. I want to say, as a church, we forgive them. And yes they stole off of me, and yes they, it was my base, it wasn't the church's base, it was Ben Collier's base. and I want to forgive them of that and give that up, to say it's okay and to extend forgiveness. Because the Bible's very clear, it says, you cannot come and ask God for forgiveness when you won't forgive the people that's around you. That if we expect God to forgive us, we've got to forgive those that's done us wrong. How many messed up this past week? Since New Year's, you started a new plan. Maybe you had a a new, uh, whatever they call it, a resolution or something, and you're going to get on this bandwagon, you're going to do this or do that, and you've already messed up. We're five days in, right? And most people do. They mess up within five days. And we do that with God. We'll we'll promise him, I'll never do that again, God. I'll, I'll never let you down like that again. And then the next thing you know, we turn around and we end up doing that. We let him down. And then we go to him, and what do we ask him? Please forgive me, right? We ask him for forgiveness for us falling short. We need to extend that same type of forgiveness to those that's done us wrong. So I, the part I love about this red letter challenge is that, that it helps us through this process to, to bring up those things that maybe we, uh, uh, we haven't thought about it for a while. I hadn't thought about people breaking into the church for a long time. But in this message and in these red letters, it brings those things up to where that we can let go of those things that might be holding us back that we don't even think about on a daily basis. So these red letters are really going to challenge us to believe and do and act different than we normally act. Because it's not just about words. And it's not about, and you know, I'm grateful that, that for the name change and the new logo and all the stuff we're doing as a church. But what I'm most encouraged about is, is it's not just the name itself changing, but it's the values that we're changing a little bit. And we're not completely doing away with them altogether and not having any values. We've, we've got the new values, but we tricked them and tweaked them a little bit and, and making them more fit what we're doing. Because I want us as a church known as the bridge, to accomplish things, to be successful in a chur- as a church, and to care about our community, to reach out and, and to do the things that the Red Letters is challenging us to do, to serve better, to connect better, to grow, to go, to uh, worship. And, and this morning, how awesome is it? And you, A church of our size with the worship team that we've got is amazing. I've been to churches of 200, 250, 400 people that don't have the quality of music that we have here. And it's amazing. And I thank God for that. And we need to be grateful for that and, and thank him that we've got an atmosphere that we can worship in and we can sing and understand and know that he's with us and that we can meet him here. And as a, this red letter challenge is, is inspiring to us, it's not inspiring just in words, but it's in action. And I love it Through we got through the first introduction of it, and the video, as the video shared today, is how it worked out for us when we began on, on January 1st. that We've just looked at the first five so far, so if, if you haven't got the Red Letter Challenge book, there's some in, on the back table back there. We would love for you to have one and, and, and connect with the church and connect with others uh, as we come for our connection groups. But we got through these first five by today, so we're landing on day five today. And understand that we are having the beginning, being, the uh, forgiving, the uh, giving, the going, and the, uh, all those things that, that it's calling us to do. Forgiving is the one I just didn't mention. But as it's challenging us, as a church, as a congregation, as a community of believers, we can't do it alone. It can't be that this is just words. So red letter challenge is not just about red letter words. It's about red letter words in action. Donna's on call, by the way, in case all of you are wondering what she's done. She's going to the hospital to take care of her job. But as we Ponder about that and think about that, that we want these to be action steps. It's so important that we don't do these things alone. And Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he he taught his disciples and he, he trained his disciples. And he would talk to them and he would give them encouraging words. But he also called them to action. He sent out 70 and he sent them out two by two, and, and other times he, he sent people to go get uh, before even he went into Jerusalem for uh, that last trip in. that he, he sent his disciples ahead of time to go and prepare for the Last Supper, and, and he was always preparing people to do things. And as a church, we've got to be a church of doers. I don't want to be a church that is known about, like in these polls, that uh, we as a group, as if you say, well, if people ask you, well, what church do you attend? Well, I go to the bridge. Well, what's that? It's a bridge. It's a connecting point. It's a place where people meet together that love God and love people. And, and we, we do ministry together. We want to serve and we want to learn. That's who we are. So as you explain that, I don't want them thinking, man, that the bridge people, that's a bunch of judgmental. That's a bunch of unforgiving. That's a bunch of people that are, are uh, cantankerous and, and, and divisive, one of the words he used. I don't want to be known as that. Do you? As a believer, as a Christian, we should desire not to be known as those things, but as a uniter, as somebody that extends grace, that extends forgiveness. If we want to be like Jesus, let's be like him. Not in words, but in deeds, in action. Because if you forgive somebody that does you wrong, it sticks with them forever. Maybe there's nobody in this room that's ever done anybody wrong. Maybe you all are perfect or something, and you've never really done anybody wrong, or maybe you've never done your spouse wrong, or maybe your spouse has never done you wrong, and you're just the most forgiving and loving and compassionate and graceful person on the planet. It's not us, right? I mean, Leslie, we fight all the time. It's one of the awesome things when new people come to the church. They'll get around us, and we'll go out to eat with them or something. They're like, Lord, have mercy. You all fight worse than anybody. She's mad at me right now, so there you go. But I'd rather be real than fake. Wouldn't you? And I'd rather pick on her the way I pick on her at the house. I don't want to hide that behind the scene and only pick on her like that. I like to be in the open with all of it. Amen. I want to I want to throw it out there where the whole world can enjoy it. But as we do that, it causes people to see it's okay to be real. And in church, that's who we are to be is just real people. Just striving to love God, love people, to learn and to serve as a body of believers. And Red Letter Challenge is encouraging us to do that, and we've went through those first five already, and and you're not behind if you start now. It was just an introduction is the only part we've already done. So starting tomorrow, we're going to start out on this process of learning how to be in being with Jesus. And I want to encourage you of how important it is to be with Jesus, that how much difference He can make in your life, that He can can truly cause you to be the person and, and the family that you desire to be. If we start with him and we have a relationship with him and we commune with him, then he causes us to be at peace with ourselves and with the people around us. And being is so important. And I thank God that they've started this thing with that, that being is what we're beginning on. Because once you are with him, it'll change everything else about you down the line. So when you start with being, you're going to be able to forgive. You're going to be able to give better. You're going to be able to do those things. You're going to be able to go, and you're going to be able to do those other things that they're asking us to do through this message series. But in being with Jesus, there's a story that I want to tell. and My good friend that I have, uh, I've been ministering to him and witnessing to him for years, and and it's been about four-year process now that I've been encouraging him and strengthening him and trying to lift him up, and, and I pray for him, and I try to witness to him. And, and he's a good cusser. Anybody know a good cusser? Maybe you're a good cusser. I don't know. I, I wasn't a very good cusser. It seems like I'd, cuss, I'd have the wrong cuss word, at the wrong time or something. I wasn't a real good cusser. And, and I wasn't real good at it. But now he's a professional. He, he could really lay it down. You know, he could put them right where they're supposed to go. He's a really good cusser. So being around people like that when you're a Christian, it's like, ooh, man, that one, I don't know. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you can do that if you want to. But Jesus had sinner friends. You should have center friends. You should encourage those that don't know him to become like him. So in being around this person, I loved him dearly, and, and I, I really cherished him as a friend, and, and I considered him a great friend, and I would talk to him and encourage him. So every time he would give me a chance, and, and we had some times where that he, he would hold me after sometimes at the union meeting, and sometimes I wouldn't get home till midnight, literally until midnight, unless they'd be calling and be like, what are you doing on the road at 1030, 1130 at night? I stayed to talk to him. He needed somebody to talk to. He was going through a divorce. He was having a hard time in life. And where do I need to be? Do I need to be in bed sleeping or doing the work of Jesus when he asked me to do it? So I would stay around and hang around with him and encourage him and just always give him. And I would give him verses. He didn't even know what the Bible even means. He he really has no clue, no inkling whatsoever about the Bible at all. He has no religious backing to what he is as a person. So I would give him these verses and I'd tell him and, and then uh, about six months into this deal that as I'm trying to encourage him and strengthen him and stuff, he would start looking up verses and just auto, in the Bible he would look for a verse and he'd find something and he would send it to me. What's this mean? It was a process. This just went on for four years. And as I'm doing this, it's it's like, man, when's it gonna happen? When's going to be that golden moment where that I've witnessed him enough, I've strengthened him, that I've encouraged him enough. When's going to be the golden moment where that you can feel and know that God's getting ready to do something? Because you know something? I can't save anybody. And I can tell you today, you cannot save anybody. It takes the drawing of the Holy Spirit for anybody to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes the Father. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father except that he draws them. So you have to have the Father draw on them. And does he wish that they are saved? Absolutely. But it's in timing and it's in his plan and in his will. And I don't understand all that. And it shouldn't take four years, I don't think. But it's worth investing four years if it finally gets there. Some people, it might happen overnight. I don't know. But literally, this process went on and on and on and on and on. And just a while back, it's about two months ago that I, I was at work and it was a Friday and I was leaving. And, and you know how it is on Friday. You can't wait to get home. It's the weekend coming, right? You can't wait to get there. And albeit be if I don't walk out the door at work and there he stands in the parking lot. It's like, yippee, you, I know what's happening now. It's like, I was, man, I just want to get in the truck and go home, right? It's weekend. And he's standing there in the parking lot, and he, he starts talking, and, and he, he's telling me stories about how that his dad, he deals with some issues, and he loves his dad, and he cherishes his dad, but he don't understand. And, 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 and as his dad come in to work that day, it come to see him, and, and, and his dad come in to just talk to him for a little bit, and he, he has this odd relationship with his dad. And he's he's standing there, and I could tell that it's the moment. It's kind of like... Maybe Lathan, you know the moment when you're up there at the softball tournament, and you're standing up there, and you've got the bat, and you've went through this count, and you know that he's thrown this ball, and that ball, and that ball, and this strike, and this strike, and you know what you know what he's getting ready to throw, right? You know which way it's getting ready to come. The ball's getting ready to come. You're standing there with the bat, and you just got this sensing and knowing, man. This is fixing to come down the pike, and I'm going to send this one out of here. You know it. And you're standing there with that bat, and the guy throws it, and it's exactly what you thought it was going to be, and you take and you swing, and you knock it out of the park. I could sense in this moment that there was something different about this conversation than other conversations I'd had with him. And sometimes you just got to open up and let God. So I'm a crybaby. You all know that. If you've been to church here very much at all, you know Pastor Ben's a big crybaby. I love crying. There's nothing wimpish about crying. I think it's a, a sign of strength and a sign of stability and a sign of openness. So I was standing there and I was telling him, and he was talking about this deal with his dad, and I, I looked at him and I said, Well, if your dad come to see you at work today, let, no, let me know, know this, that if your dad come to see you at work today, it's a sign of him saying, I'm proud of you. Because he had told me before that his dad would never tell him that he's proud of him. That his dad would never say, I love you to him. And I told him this, I said, it's a sign that your dad is proud of you. He don't say it in words, he says it in actions. And as I said that, this big strong strapping, he's bigger than Brandon, big old broad shouldered just works out every day, he's real, a big bruiser kid standing here in front of me, 20-some years old, and I'm talking to him like this, and, and tears starts to come down his face. He don't cry. He's one of them. I got to show myself strong, but here he is, broken. In a point, saying, "There's got to be something more." And as he's crying and he's he's trying to wipe it away and he, he can't deal with it, and I just go on to tell him, "Man, your dad loves you." He might not tell you, but I'm telling you through his actions. He's saying it through his works. And I'm encouraging. And finally the conversation ends and I get in my truck and as I pull out of the parking lot, I, I look over and he, he had sat down in his truck and he was sitting there and he had his hands, his face in his hands and he's wiping tears and snot. And I'm thinking, get him, God. Amen. Get him, Holy Spirit. Father, draw him like you've never drawn him before. And I go through the weekend and I come home and Come Sunday morning I go to Vanceburg campus and preach the message and and then we come to Kentucky Heights and it's 1130 and I come here and I I preach my message and I look down and my phone is ringing while I'm standing right here about right now and I hit decline. Probably because I don't want to answer the phone while I'm trying to preach. It was his number but he had went to church with one of his friends that morning a, a guy that's 40 years older than him. He, he's around these people that's older than him. He looks for wisdom. He looks for knowledge. He wants to be uh, wiser than his own age. He's a young man that's got the ability to do that, to think through that. And he comes to this point that, that he, he calls this older man, and he goes to church with him up in Ashland. And as he goes to church with him, he's standing on the back row that morning, and, and his old friend was standing there next to him, and it's a little bitty church with about nine people. And it, he said he's standing there, and, and he, he, he's looking down and it was an altar call and they was giving the the, the the guy up front preaching was giving an altar call and saying, Won't you won't you come? anybody that needs Jesus come and, and receive him today. And he said he's standing there and he said his buddy, this old man leans over and puts his arm around and said, Let's go take care of this business. And he looked over to his buddy and his friend and he said, not today. I'll do it later. And this old man having wisdom that we all need Keeps his arm around him and said, no. Won't you think about it? Why not just get it done now? Quit waiting. Finally, my friend says, okay. If you'll go with me, I'll go. And they get out of their seat and they come down the aisle. And he says he kneels down to pray and he cries uncontrollably and can't, it just won't stop. And he said when he got in the parking lot, he couldn't wait to get to the phone to call me. To tell me. <laughs> and as I watch him these past few months. Baby steps in Christianity. He don't know anything about anything. He don't know what. He said, what book do I read? What kind of Bible? What He, he don't know any of that. And getting to courage him along in that path and seeing this transformation happen. But he said he called me first, and I didn't answer, so he left me a voicemail. And then he said the next person he had to call was his dad. And he calls his dad. He says, hey, Dad, I just got out of church service, and I went to an altar, and I gave my life to Jesus. And he said his dad said, son, I'm proud of you, and I love you. What is that like where this one young man's decision to follow Jesus turned it around that he got back what he desired the most? You will never outgive God. If you'll give him your life, I promise you, it's for the better. I'm not saying that there is no storms. I'm not saying that there won't be anything go wrong after you come to salvation because after salvation is still a tough business. I've been in church now for 20 years. I've I've become a Christian in 1999, October of 1999. For 20 years I've been following him. And I was talking to this young man this past week, and I told him, I said, look, I said, I forgot what it was like to even be lost. I've, I've been saved so long now that I forgot even what it was like to be lost. And I thank God for that. I'm not... I don't want to go back and be lost again, Greg. I want to stay saved, right? But I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying it's been that long since I laid my head down to sleep and had to wonder if I'm going to go to die tonight and won't wake up in the morning. Will I go to heaven or hell? I know heaven is going to be my home. There's a, there's a joy and comfort in knowing that. Do I say that I'm perfect? No. But I want to be better, don't you? How many would like to be the type of Christian... That is known as grace. That is unifying. These things that are opposite of what the guy said in the video. That we can truly be who God's called us to be. And as a church and as a group. These connection groups are so important. It's so important to not do life alone. Because as a Christian. And maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you've been saved a year. Maybe you've been saved five years or ten years. Maybe twenty. Ernie's been saved I don't know how many, a long time. Sister Joanne down at the Vanceburg campus, she's, she's been saved for a long, long, long time. 80 years old. No matter what stage you're at in that game, we can all become better. We can all do better. And us don't just put it in words, but let's make it in deeds. So today, for week one, we're going to go into this being and I want you to take one of those Red Letter Challenge books back there. If you don't have one, please get involved with this. Please connect during one of the connection groups. They're going to be on the, all you the the church's Facebook. We had to start a new Facebook page because the way Facebook rules won't allow you to change a name, that they couldn't understand that the bridge and how it tied to Bethesda. So we had to start a new page. So make sure and go on and like that. Share it with your friends. Share it with your community. Um, we know that this Red Letter Challenge is something... They do tell you during the process that that a lot of churches see upwards of 40% uh, more involvement in church services. And we need that as a church. You look around the room today and see somebody that's normally here that you don't see here right now, reach out to them. Encourage them. Tell them, get, get to one of these connection groups. If they don't have a Red Letter Challenge book, get with us. Come get one. Take to them. That'll start your process of doing for them what they need done. Maybe they don't have time. Maybe they're covered up right now. Be the extension Jesus has called you to be. And in being with him this week, he will change your life for the better. And some of the things you desire, once you start being with Jesus, just like my friend, instantaneously he got what he was wanting anyway. If you want to see God do something, get with him, be with him, and watch what happens. Won't you stand? Won't you bow your head and close your eyes, if you will? I want everybody in this room just to pray that very simple prayer that we we need to pray after every message that we hear. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message today? Not everybody in this room is facing the same battles right now. Not every person in this room is on a mountaintop experience at this moment or a valley experience at this moment. We're all at different stages of this thing called life. This message may say one thing to you and something else to that other person, but the Holy Spirit can't open your eyes and open your heart to apply these things that Jesus told them at the end of his message, the Sermon on the Mount, he told them to put these words into action. So today you've got to decide, what do I want to do with what I just heard? How do I want to apply these to my life? I want everybody in this room just say this with us. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, speak to me what you want me to hear through this message today. And allow me to make that change in Jesus' name. Just listen to him. There's some of you here that may not have been spending enough time with Jesus lately and you've left God out of the equation and you've been busy with life and he hasn't abandoned you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end. But maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe the Holy Spirit is drawing and wooing you today saying, come home. Be with me. As is in the room, maybe there's people here that don't know Jesus at all, that you've never, ever one time asked him to be Lord of your life. And today the message has stirred you to say, I want this relationship you're talking about, Pastor. I want to know the real Jesus. I don't want the churchy Jesus. I don't want the Christianese Jesus. I want the real Jesus and his words to be true in my life. And I'm ready for change. Says so it's in the room that maybe you need to forgive some people for some wrongs that's happened to you. Just like I had to forgive those that broke into the church. There is none you. But only the Holy Spirit can reveal those things to you. I can't do that. But I do want to ask you this. Everybody close your eyes and bow your head, nobody looking around don't worry about your neighbor, don't worry about your spouse don't worry about anybody else in the room this is between you and God is there anybody here that would say pastor I do want to return home that the Holy Spirit is calling me to return unto him and renew my relationship with him I want to give my life back to God is there anybody here that lift your hand and say that's me I want to come to him. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Is anybody else that would say, man, I my life's not what I want it to be in this new year and this new day? Today's the day I want to renew that relationship with him. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? There's others here. You need to you need to do this. Make it right today with him. Don't wait. Don't be be like my friend. That I, I want to be that encourager that says, Don't wait. Don't put it off. You won't be. You won't walk out of this room if you raise your hand right now. And you won't walk out of this room thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You'll be elated that you did. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you've never known God. Maybe you've never given your life to him. Even as a kid, you you've never did that. And today's the day. And he's telling you, give your life to me and watch what I'll do for you. Is there anybody here that would say, that's me? I want to give my life to Jesus. Today's the day of my salvation. And I want this fresh start that's speaking about here today. Is anybody here? Just lift up your hand. Anybody here? I want us all to pray together with those that raise their hands. And I want everybody here to repeat after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you Forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. And I ask today that you would lead me by the Holy Spirit to live this life on purpose in your will. And help me to make heaven my home in eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.